Hey, Cooperation Nation. I'm Emily. I'm Alessandra. And this is Smooth Cooperators, a Belfast community co-op program. And we are here to talk to you about cooperatives and particularly the Belfast Community Co-op. Hey. Hey, so happy to be here. Fall's right around the corner, slash feels like right now. September is a month that brings all kinds of new things to our lives, slash, again, old things, like school. Oh, school. Oh my gosh, it's so busy. Mm-hmm. Kids, moving them around, place to place, watching sports, making things for bake sales, mothering. That's what we do. Mothering. What else we do? Cooperatives. So, Alessandra, with fall upon us, what's one of your favorite things to do? I think what's crazy for me is when the light starts to change, it like registers inside my body in a different way. And I look around and it feels so familiar in a way that like other seasons feel familiar, but fall is particularly noticeable. It just reminds me of like all the times I've seen the leaves change, all the apples I've tasted, all the pumpkins, all of the sort of like, mm -hmm. the light feels more brilliant. In summer, it's like high, it's hot, it's really bright, mm -hmm. but it's sort of this like jewel-toned. Yeah, and so in, in September, it's like the sun is right in your eyes again, and it's mm -hmm. just this golden amazingness. And it makes me think of the Common Ground Fair. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of just like waking up early and the fields are misty, and you're like going to learn about homesteading and food and watch the sheepdogs run around and pet big animals. And eat great food. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I agree with all of that wholeheartedly. It sounds just delightful. Yeah. I was thinking this morning as I was walking my dogs how nice it would be to go kayaking. It's mm. one of my favorite things to do. And in the summer, you're just out on the water with the sun like burning down on you. But this time of year, mm, so nice. Yeah, you get so to watch the leaves like reflect in the water. Yeah, maybe scare up some ducks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the, just, on the path of migration. Oh, I love it so much. So, Emily, mm -hmm. pop quiz. Ooh. We've been talking about the cooperative principles in order, and I was wondering if you remembered what principles one through four are. I do. Principle one is voluntary and open membership. Principle two is member democratic control. Principle three is member economic participation. Principle four is autonomy and independence. And guess what we're going to talk about today? What are we going to talk about today? Principle five. And that is education, training, and information. I've heard of that one before. I believe the definition for that is that cooperatives provide education and training for their members, elected representatives, managers, and employees so they can contribute effectively to the development of their cooperatives. They inform the general public, particularly young people and opinion leaders, about the nature and benefits of cooperation. That's the definition from the International Cooperative Alliance. Yeah. This is one of our favorite principles because it directly affects what we do in our workplace. Alessandra is the community outreach coordinator, which means talking to the people in the community about the co-op and educating them is one of her focuses. And Emily is the ownership coordinator, and so reaching out and talking to owners about this business that they co-own is a part of your everyday workflow. It really is. So something that's also really interesting, all of these principles that we talk about, they date back to the Rochdale Pioneers, which we touched on in earlier episodes. They're the people that really started the cooperative movement. 
There were plenty of co-ops that had been started prior to the Rochdale Pioneers, and many of them had not succeeded. But they took what they had learned from previous businesses and created their own principles and implemented things that they thought would make them be successful. I believe it has worked. From 1844 onward, we have had successful cooperatives. So something that they really valued was education. In the 1840s, 1850s, there were laws talking about how people who were not educated could not vote and therefore could not participate. They really wanted to make sure that the people that they had in their ranks, part of their cooperatives, had as much power as they could. And so educating them, they started reading rooms, they started libraries, they started printing presses. They started collecting funds to make all of these happen within each cooperative, which is just amazing. That's not something that has carried forward today necessarily, but I think it really helped people when the movement was beginning. Yeah, it seems like the time period that we're talking about, the or the mid to late 1800s, education was reserved for people who were privileged. Absolutely. They decided that if they were all going to co-own this business together, everybody needed to be educated enough to run the business. In some of their early publications, it's required that a percentage of their profits should be allocated to education. So not only were they using their time to educate the co-owners of their business, but they were using their money Mm -hmm. to continue to educate people because just like any business, things change. And so you have to continually educate the people who are in the business, whether they're owners or consumers or managers, because everything is going to be changing and you have to be able to make decisions based on those changes. And if you're not paying attention or being educated about them, then those decisions won't be the best decisions for the business. Yeah, it can affect the fate of the business. Yeah. I was reading something recently. Cooperative businesses aren't run by rules and rulings. They're run by principles and values. And so it's like when we say we want the that they have to educate people so that the business does well. I think our American default is like, yeah, the business has to do well to like make this endless money. But because the cooperative business structure is based on the principles and the values of cooperative business, the reason we want the business to do well is to perpetuate those principles and values, which is, you know, strength and community and education and autonomy, you know, and diversity and like all of those things are really the end product of a good cooperative business. Uh, Yeah, and so how have we taken that and made it into the principle that we have today? And specifically, like, what are we doing at the Belfast Community Co-op to make sure that we are abiding by principle five? When we think about who we're educating and how and why, if we start with workers, we have to educate workers. We have to educate the managers. We have to educate the board of directors. We have to educate the owners. And then we're also committed to educating the community. So if we start with workers, we have annual trainings. We have annual staff meetings. We have an internal bulletin board where we send out interesting information like, hey, did you want to know how your cooperative supports the community? And we also have required information like, hey, this is for safety or this is for our internal standards. Mm -hmm. We also have educational credit program where people who are workers can attend meetings or trainings or read books 
or watch documentaries, and then they sort of submit that time, and they can get a certain amount of educational credits, which is essentially like paid time off, earning that through participation in the cooperative business. Yeah, and what's pretty cool is we actually have a little staff library, which kind of is a nod back to the cooperative reading rooms. Absolutely. During COVID, where uh, we were all just like a little more separated or we were not encouraged to touch other things that other people were touching, I think that that fell by the wayside. Now with the renovation, we don't have the dedicated space for it in the basement like we used to. Mm -hmm. But that's definitely something that will come back in the renovated space when we have a dedicated break room for staff. There's all all kinds of posters and stuff that for the labor department we have to put up. Mm -hmm. And that's usually where this optional reading comes in. So I do the sort of initial orientation and walkthrough with all of our new workers. And really that's just like storytelling about where we came from, what the principles and values are, and where we're going as a cooperative. I love bumping into you when you're doing your orientation and talking to the new workers. Yeah. It's always fun to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Something else that's worker-specific is we are part of NCG, which is a cooperative of cooperatives. Mm -hmm. And they do put on conferences that are department-specific, so we can send our department leaders to those, bring ideas back to do collaborations with other department leaders from other co-ops, gathering ideas and best practices, which I think is really cool and invaluable. I think the co-ops are super lucky to be to all of us be able to rest on these principles and values that are common for us. It means that a lot of times we come to the table with our hardships and with our problems looking for support from other businesses that are cooperative businesses because it's a little bit unique, but it means that we are like humble and vulnerable and share the things that haven't worked for us. And a lot of times it seems like that's just as educational for other co-ops as it is Mm -hmm. to share what it was, like how we're thriving. And so there's a lot of talking about what didn't work, what we would do differently. I know that being on the capital campaign team, we talked to other co-ops that did capital campaigns and they were like, hey, maybe don't do this. (laughs) (laughs) We like made this mistake. We don't walk away from that thinking like, oh, that other business made a mistake. We walk away from that thinking like, well, I'm so thankful that they shared Mm -hmm. that information with us. And we don't look at mistakes as weaknesses. We look at mistakes as opportunities to learn and share. And that feels really huge. Another thing that NCG and just cooperatives in general do for their workers is they find people, co-ops find people, who are curious and dedicated and interested. And we say, oh, you didn't realize that you were going to have like a lifetime career in grocery? That's okay. We can train you. Mm-hmm. You don't understand finances? That Sometimes it's really hard. We have all of these resources. Oh, you have no idea what a margin is? Hey, let me tell you. Not sure how to manage people? Come to this conference, and we're going to make you like the best HR manager we possibly can. There's all of this learned experience that's valued rather than a degree or -hmm. previous experience. We're like, oh, are you a decent person? Okay, we're going to invest in you. And we want you to stay here and carry on this cooperative tradition. I think that that's pretty unique in terms of sectors. Like there's always continuing education. There's always credits or classes that you can take. And I think that the co-op has really honed in on how to keep the workers in the cooperative sector. Or like, hey, you didn't know you wanted to be a general manager? We can train you for that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. 
So that's kind of like how we train workers and all of those extended trainings that I was just talking about is sort of how we train managers. Mm -hmm. And there are all of these different educational expectations for managers. And a lot of that stuff comes from knowing this particular cooperative business and this particular cooperative community really well. But it also means humming the best at what it is that you're doing. If you're buying groceries, if you're keeping the store safe, there's a pretty high expectation for internal readiness, especially through our renovation process, especially with other co-ops through any of their growth. There's a lot of focus on, on that aspect, which is really all about education and training and keeping people. Yeah. Um, Something that's exciting that is relatively new, there are now programs where you can get a degree in cooperative management. So this is something that is, we've talked about before, how co-ops are not taught in business schools, or sorry, the cooperative model is not taught in business schools. But we are lucky enough to be close to Nova Scotia. What's in Nova Scotia? Oh, just a Scotia Scotia way. (laughs) Uh, St. Mary's University. They have a business school there, the Sobe School of Business, where they offer part-time online degrees in cooperative and credit union management. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think they have weekend-style classes that you can do in person or virtually. I think they have a 10-month program that's more of like a master's-style program. And I think they have a two-year program, which is more of like a graduate school Mm -hmm. degree-style program. I think the University of Wisconsin also has cooperative programming. But what's really Mm -hmm. interesting about their cooperative programming is it's not for studying to get a degree in. They study and analyze cooperatives for like whatever their function is. Like it's very numbers based and statistics based. So it's not that you go to business school to learn how to run a cooperative. The University of Wisconsin just focuses on how cooperatives do in -hmm. the economy. And we actually get a lot of data from that. We sure do. And they put on a really fantastic conference every year. The Consumer Cooperative Management Association is called CCMA. And we try to send uh, management staff and directors there when possible. You know what's really cool? I do. So that is something that takes place in June every year. It's nationwide. There are co-ops all across this country, board members and general managers and consultants and distributor heads all get together at this conference. They share their successes and their failures trying to uplift this cooperative model. And sometimes it's just three time zones away. And sometimes it's like two connecting flights away. And sometimes it's in Portland, Maine. I know. (laughs) Which means that this is as close as we're going to get to our home conference. You hear that, Cooperation Nation? Mark your calendars. June 2024, Portland, Maine. CCMA. We're just so excited. It's going to be really cool. And we're going to have a brand new store to show off. And we're going to have all of our successes and failures through planning and promoting and fundraising and then building and shopping while building. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have all of that to share. And hopefully new co-ops or co-ops that are getting ready to expand or co-ops that didn't know they wanted to get ready to expand, but they hear from us and they're like, oh, it's our time. We're going to do it. They all, we all get together in Portland to share that experience. The next aspect of like who we train and educate and why are our board of directors. Mm-hmm. So the owners get to elect the board. Nominations are open now if you'd like to apply. 
then those people are in charge of like running a huge business, running a $12 million business with 5,000 owners. Whoa, that sounds like a lot. It does. It and is. So if you don't know how to do it or if you're overwhelmed or you're excited and you just want to know more, there's so many different ways that the board of directors can and do educate themselves. Mm-hmm. What are some of those ways, Emily? Well, every year they have an annual retreat. So right after the elections, they start scheduling that for late spring, early summer. And basically, it's everybody on the board. So new and current directors get together and they talk about specific topics and really dig deep into that. They really enrich themselves. Generally, it's based around policy governance or the like. One of the primary resources our directors have is a consulting co-op called Columinate. They offer trainings year-round, and since the pandemic, they have put so many more trainings online. So travel time is cut down. They're very convenient. They can be super interesting. You get to be in a training with people from all over the country and then go into breakout rooms and talk with them four at a time. Their topics span from facilitation to financial training, cooperative board leadership. It runs the gamut. It's really wonderful, and it's an amazing resource. Many of their trainings are actually also offered to cooperative workers. So that's handy for our staff also. Yeah. Being a former board member and a current worker, I've done a lot of trainings with them. It's just been profound in building my knowledge around governance, Mm -hmm. around the cooperative model, around the history of co-ops. Sometimes when you think you've just seen it all, they have a co-op cafe, which is where sort of anybody involved in the co-op community, whether they're owners or board members or managers, gets together and they talk about, I don't know, some kind of like interesting, juicy topic that will help cooperatives all across the country. And the most recent one is called Creative Destruction. And it's like, hey, we're always trying to do more. As co-ops, we're, we're just trying to do the best we can. And we're like, let's add this program or let's add, you know, this feature or something. And this particular co-op cafe was like, what can you stop doing? Like, what are you doing right now that's actually not great? And instead of changing it to do more, you can just maybe not do it at all. And that was a really fascinating Eye-opening. So eye-opening topic to be like, oh, this is exercising my brain in this different direction Mm -hmm. and just sort of helped me look at our business model and what we do in just like a sort of constructive way. That's how the board gets educated. There's also just like online resources Mm -hmm. and historical records about our own business that just date back into the beginning of time. There's so much to know and so much to read And that is like not the be all end all. That's like the whole point of getting educated away from the boardroom isn't just to like have that knowledge. It's to bring it with you to the boardroom to make the best decisions on behalf of the co-op, but also to like get to know the people you're making decisions with and for a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Because if you can ask questions or look at a topic in a different light, like not from your own perspective, Mm -hmm. you get a little bit more clued in on the values of the people around you and the values of the people you're serving. And sometimes that means like finding out about what it means to be in the grocery industry. Like here we are, we're like, oh, we're all principles and values. And it's like we are and we have to sell food and with a store that stays open with people who we can pay and and treat fairly. So that means we have to understand labor laws. It means we have to understand trends in the grocery industry, all these things Some people are here on purpose because they love grocery and some people are here by accident because they love the cooperative model 
and food is a fundamental human right. The board of directors kind of helps to educate the owners. Mm -hmm. So for owners, we have the e-newsletter, we have owner forums, we have materials inside the store that tell you everything from, you know, the renovation summary to co-op deals, I would say, is, is educational. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of information about different farming techniques mm-hmm. and what the differences are between those. We try to promote other cooperatives to owners. I just have, was thinking about this as we were first sitting down and chatting before. The bulletin board for me, it's like a really big way that we educate all of our owners because we're educating them about the community around them. And so it's this reflection. It's this mirror. You walk into this store, you feel that you are a certain way and have certain values, and you look at the bulletin board and you're like, oh, I can take a class or I should off- I want to offer a class. I have mm-hmm. something to bring to this community. Or like someone's looking for, for a resource And I can help them out with that. And that just kind of continues to cement this cooperative economy that's also a community. I would also say the tabling events that we've been doing in front of the store are a great opportunity for our owners to come by and get some information. We've got handouts and our brains are full of it. You want to talk to us? We would love to talk to you. Mm -hmm. We generally do that on Fridays. Also, board meetings. I mean, you're watching your elected representatives make decisions for the co-op. Mm-hmm. And all of those minutes, once they get approved, are online. Back to what, like 2007? It's spotty. It gets really yeah. regular around 2012. But that's a whole history and education of how we got here, what the decisions were made, and like who was there. Yeah. Who is at these meetings? It's so interesting. I love reading old minutes. Yeah, and you're like, wait a second. I had no idea that person was on the board. Yeah. And then educating the wider community. Mm-hmm. That for me is, that's kind of how everything gets built up and out because it's important for us to tell people who we are and how we're doing and what's different about the cooperative model. Because it's like you can sit down with somebody and say, you know, we have 5,000 people who are invested in this business. Almost 600 of them are fully vested, which means they've paid their $200. That's a choice. And that is that shows a lot of strength. We can tell them that we are a $12 million business, but if we don't tell them about the principles and values that drive us, then they just think we're another business with our doors open or another business that's renovating to make the most money. And it's like, oh, we're actually renovating to serve our community. Mm -hmm. That's our bottom line. And so that's a huge part of, you know, when we try to build press releases or brochures or even like during the groundbreaking the news folks were coming, I was like, hey, I want you to hear this like, successful story that's going to grab people to read this. And like, I want to tell you what a co-op is. Mm-hmm. I want to yes. tell you what we're doing and why it's different, because this is something that is supposed to raise all ships, like a rising tide raises all ships. Oh, yeah. And like, that's what we're doing here. We don't want to leave people behind. We want to bring people along. Shout out to rising tide. Hey, <laughs> all those co-ops up and down the main coast. Yep. The education and training is important for moving our co-op forward. And I just had thought to myself, when the pandemic hit, how everybody had to learn new technologies. Mm. And those helped our business keep running and helped us be successful. It helped our board when we went to fully Zoom meetings. And that was a very new thing that had never happened before. But everybody worked together and figured it out. We didn't miss a regularly scheduled board meeting, which I think was really cool. There's a laundry list of technologies that we've implemented in the store 
to make sure that things keep going. And those are going to help perpetuate the store into the future. Mm -hmm. So that's P5. Again, one of our favorite principles. Yeah. There's also been a lot going on in the store recently um, with the renovation. Do you want to give us a quick update? Sure. It's been a little loud as we have been like moving into the sales floor demolition. We've already done a lot of demolition in the store. It's mostly been in the basement. So if people haven't really been able to tell, is it loud? Yeah, but it's a whole floor away. Is it stinky? Yeah, but it's a whole floor away. And now it's happening literally all around us. We are demoing the old customer bathrooms because that's going to be store space. We're rebuilding the new customer bathrooms in old offices. We're taking down walls. We're taking down single pane glass that leaked water and leaked heat and leaked air conditioning, but also made for beautiful natural light, which we're keeping. And the huge thing that we're doing now is like tying those new parts of the building to the existing parts of the building. So structurally, those buildings can't be separate. They have to be together. And so that's really the big push right now. When I think about how that impacts people, if you're sensitive to sound or you're sensitive to non-harmful smells, it's probably going to be a hard time for you to be in the store during the week. They have very regular hour-long lunches, our construction worker buddies. So come in at 12. It's quiet. It's real nice. Come in after 4.30. Mm -hmm. Between 4.30 and 8, the walls will still be there and the construction equipment will still be there, but the sounds are not there. Right. And same thing for the weekends. Our construction workers don't work on the weekends, and so they button everything up and leave it nice as they can. And then we have the whole weekend, so it's pretty undisturbed then. Um, And there's shop for me. So you can put an order in online. Someone will shop it in the store for you and then bring it out to your car, which is pretty awesome. We're slowly taking all of the ceiling tiles down. And if you love behind-the-scenes things like I do, like go Mm -hmm. look up at the ceiling. (laughs) Well, we've been seeing it for a while with all the leaks. That's true. (laughs) But this is definitely more exciting. Yeah. You're like wires and pipes and ducks. It's crazy. And so all of that, the drop ceiling will be going away. And then they will remove some of the stuff that allowed for the drop ceiling to be there. Mm -hmm. And then they are either going to rerun or tidy up the wires and pipes and ducting in the ceiling. And so it will have that sort of like more lofted feel to it, which I think just industrial, a little industrial. It's also like a little more clean. Yeah. Love a drop ceiling in some situations, but a lot of stuff can build up in there if you're not careful. And then when your roof leaks. Then all that stuff comes down. So fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the other thing I would say, too, because we're moving stuff around. If someone's wearing a name tag or they sort of look like they work there, just ask them a question and find out where something is. Because the bananas are in a new place. The bread. The bread. We still have takeaway food from prepared foods, but it's hidden behind this little, like, plywood wall. And the fermented uh, foods are now in the dairy cooler. Yeah. So that's kind of a big change. Yeah. And juice is over there, too. If you ask, people will be happy to show you. I think. And we're also doing like a one way flow. So when you come in to the store, if you go directly to the left, that's going to take you into the store instead of cutting in front of the registers. So we're trying to have a one way flow just because it's tight in there. We know we can make it work. And if we all are able to be adaptable to the signs and stickers, that would be a great thing. Yeah. So thank you for bearing with us. We know it's an inconvenience. We're really excited to see this next phase and push through. I've been able to go over into the side of the store that's blocked off 
and they have taken the floor out. They've taken any walk-ins, all the kitchen equipment. Everything is out of there. And they're starting to bring it back to the bare bones so they can build it back the way that it's going to be. And the store looks amazing. I think we're all like a little worried looking underneath everything that the store was going to look, I don't know, a little run down. But it's in really good shape. The walls are in good shape. The floors are in good shape. And it's really a nice blank canvas to apply this really well-designed store layout. We're going to just have this well-designed kitchen and this beautiful, bright cafe space. There's so much potential right now. That's really exciting. It looks really great. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. If you look online, our general manager, Doug, does a video every week to show you the most up-to-date aspects of the renovation are. So if you also would like to see the side of the store that's being renovated, there's a video online. You can find them on Instagram or on YouTube. If you sign up for our e-news at the bottom of our homepage, you can see the videos through the e-news. You can always reach out to us at ownership at belfast.coop, C-O-O-P, if you have any questions. Yeah. And we'll try to answer them here for you. All right. And also write you back. Also become fully vested, which means that you've invested your $200 equity payment in the store. I know. I was going to say that the we did send out an annual appeal letter for equity investment. And whether or not they were acted upon, that is another source of information. Thank you for everyone who has acted on that. Yay. It's been really exciting for us in our office. Yeah. And thanks to Vic and everybody at WBFY. Couldn't do this without you guys. You make us sound awesome, so thank you. All right, everyone. Have a good one. You have been listening to episode number six of Smooth Cooperator, hosted by Alessandra Martinelli and Emily Berry, produced at the facilities of Belfast Community Radio.